If you enjoy the show and want to go even more in-depth for the content we put out, go to HouseRichShow.com. We have courses on Insider Secrets Your Lending Realtor Don't Tell You, a course on house hacking, and even a DIY credit course so you never have to pay for credit repair again. And since you're a loyal listener, use promo code POD for a special discount. Back to the show. Thanks. I got a lion in my pocket. I'm lying. I got a nine in my pocket. And baby, I'm just dying to cock it. Let's go. <laughs> Welcome back to House Rich, the first time home buy show where we help millennials figure out where do I get started in real estate and how to build generational wealth. Today's topic are 10 mortgage lies. Eh, I'll be nice and call them myths that you may hear about the home buying process. Today's intro was provided by Detroit philosopher Marshall Mathers. Let's get into the topic. All right, so uh, this is a real-time event. No, actually, this is a hypothetical event uh, going on right now and as far as a file that uh, I'm hypothetically reviewing. And so we're at the very end of the loan process. Like, the file essentially has been approved, um, been through underwriting, um, but the loan officer found out at the end from the homeowner that they were actually going through a modification with the original lender to pay off some some past debt and so they actually only mentioned it to us because they wanted to us not to no longer consider this past debt on the loan as something that needed to be paid off but um anyways so i'm like okay well now we need to get the docs from the previous lender that did the modification and so it, it takes takes a while because this is just taking place and so the homeowner had been relaying to the loan officer like, hey, there's no documentation for this uh, modification that just transpired. And so I'm like, okay, you can say the home, I mean, I'm trying to say the loan officer, I'm like, hey, they can say it's no documentation all they want. But that doesn't make it true. They're lying to you. And so you got to call them out on their, their lie, essentially. So that's this um, process that's hypothetically been going on the last month and a half where the homeowner got this modification done is somehow claiming that this government organization gave him money with absolutely no paper trail. I guess it was like they went to a back alley, shook hands, and they gave him a briefcase or a bag with a dollar sign on it. Um, I don't know, but just because you say something is true does not make it true. It, it's, 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 it can still be a lie, and most likely is a lie, especially if it does not make any sense. So on that note, let's get into 10, let's call them myths about the home buying process. So Number one, with a bullet, it's a bad time to buy. So I don't care if you're watching this video in 2022 or 2032. The idea that it's a bad time to buy doesn't really make any sense. Because there's a couple things. So folks would say it's a bad time to buy because one, maybe the home prices are too high or like rates are too high is typically what people say. And so my response to that is, you can do absolutely nothing about where home prices are now, where they are in the past. You can't predict the future. Same thing with interest rates. If you think rates are too high, um, do you have a crystal ball? Like, how do you know they're not going to get higher, right? Uh, and if they do get lower, like, you can always refinance. So my advice to you is to always pull the, not pull the trigger, but make sure that the home monthly payment is within your budget and work off of that. You can't do anything about the external factors going on in society as far as home prices and all, all that. So the only time I'll say, and it, so even if you look back at 2008, folks would have probably said we were in the midst of that um, 
housing collapse. Folks would said, hey, this is a horrible time to buy. Anybody that purchased like a home, like while the price were crashing, all that, they made out like bandits, like, you know, two, three years later. So once again, work within your budget. And if your plan is not to sell the home like the next month or the next week, it's probably a decent time to buy. I can't tell you to buy a home or not buy a home. But the fact that somehow people have can predict the future and know what's going to happen with the market a year from now, it's totally not true. Even more, if you ask the majority of people where home prices were going to go at the beginning of 2020, right when COVID hit, folks would have told you home prices were going down to the floor. I worked for a big financial institution at the time, and that was their guidance. That was the guidance from a lot of people was that home prices were going to crash back in um, March 2020 due to COVID. And as we know, home prices went to the moon. They've gone up like 30, 40% in some areas. So if you sat on the sideline, you missed out greatly um, during that time price time period. Home prices are still, still going up in 2022. Let's get to myth number two. The down payment, there's still folks out there that think it's 20% down to buy a home. So once again, here are the minimum down payment requirements for a USDA, USDA loan, a VA loan, and using the NACA program, it is zero. For a conventional loan, it is 3% down. For an FHA loan, it is 3.5% down, whether it's a one, two, three, or four unit, four unit property. Those are the minimum guidelines. So share this with a friend that dis disagrees with or doesn't know this, um, but those are the minimum down payment guidelines for the major loan programs. Number three, so that you can't buy a home with student loan debt. You can have $100,000 in student loan debt, but typically your lender is just looking at your monthly payment. Like worst case scenario, they'll look at half a percent of the uh, balance if your loans are in deferment, but your lender is just looking at your monthly payment. See the pre a previous episode on buying or getting a mortgage with student loan debt to break down actually every single scenario as far as what may apply to you. But essentially, they're looking at the monthly payment. They're not looking at the huge balance. So number four is that for some reason, this first home you buy has to be your dream home or even perfect. Honestly, it just has to check a couple boxes. And I'll say those boxes are, do you kind of like it? And what is this home rentable or does it have some feature that makes it sellable in the future? And I say that because statistically, you're only going to be in your home like four to eight years. I think on average, people will stay in there or have like four to five homes over the course of their lifestyle. So if you're in your 20s or maybe even your early 30s, chances are that you're, that's not going to be your final home. So you don't need to, um, it doesn't need to have everything perfect with the home because you, you're not going to be there. So this home I'm in right now is like the fourth home that I've been in my lifestyle. And trust me, when I purchased that first home, I was like, oh, it's got to be perfect and yada, 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 yada. Uh, luckily, my parents were just like, you know, buy this home, you know, get in the home, uh, house hack, rent it out to your roommate and uh, and move on and carry it on. They helped me get out, get off to a great financial start. So once again, that first home should just be obviously good enough, something that can appreciate. And if your plan is to rent in the future, that is very rentable. Because here's another thing. The vast majority of people that put down 20% on a home, they fall into one of three categories. One, typically, if they're putting down 20%, it's because they got a large gift from a, a family member, essentially, typically a parent. Two, they're putting down 20% because it's the proceeds of a home they owned previously. So once again, they got into a home and appreciated, and they were able to put down 20% on the next home. Or three, they just have a good paying job, or they have a, uh, you know, a, a business that, uh, 
does numbers. And so, like I said, just get into that home and uh, and make it work. Number five, that's the housing market is too expensive right now. So I want you to really, really do this exercise once we get off this uh, podcast or this YouTube. Look up a couple homes that you think you know may fit the criteria for you to purchase. And then go and then go like in the property details if you're looking like on realtor.com or Zillow, it typically will show you like what the homes have sold, what the home previously sold for or was listed for. And so I'm gonna go back like five years and see what that home was listed for. Spoiler alert, it'll be a lot less than it is now. And you can keep going back in the history and looking at what the home was was at least listed for. And so now take where you're at right now and think about where that home will be five years from now. And so if your waiting doesn't do anything for you when it comes to buying homes, in the last 10 years, home prices have only gone down one year and it was less than a 1% decrease. Home prices go up. It's a simple supply and demand thing. And we've essentially lost a whole year of homes being built due to COVID. So if you think the market's expensive now, how about, it, uh, how about what it'll be like five years from now? Number six, interest rates are too high. Interest rates are what they are. Like you can't do anything about interest rates. They just are what they are. They, whenever you're ready to buy a home, the rate is the rate. You waiting to think interest rates may go down is not going to do anything for you because home prices are statistically going to go up and you can't predict the future. So rates are going to do what they do. So think about the person. So think about early two of this year, 2022, where rates were in the low twos and high twos and then they started to creep up to the high twos then the mid threes there was probably somebody sitting there where rates were in the mid threes like oh man these rates are too high i'm gonna wait till they go back down their rates hit four percent they're like crap man i'm gonna wait till rates go back down to three and a half to lock in this rate then they hit four and a half percent and then hopefully they, they locked it in now but you know that happened to somebody because they were listening to somebody else talking about you know rates are going to go down they had no that has no knowledge of the industry talking about rates are going to go down because rates went up like two and a half percent over like a month and a half time frame or something like that so you can't do anything about interest rates you just gotta it just is what it is you gotta just pull the trigger and and move forward if you like the home that you're living in and so number seven we may be on it's two it's cheaper to rent it's just, it's just not. So, I mean, you're going to tell me about some scenario where, like, uh, your friend is renting a place from their parents or the grandma gave them a place in, in Manhattan and they're only paying $800 a month. Y yes, of course, they're one-off scenarios that are not really um, based in any actual reality for most people. But on average, so here's how a monthly payment works. And so I just want you to, to listen to me real quick right here. So your monthly payment is based on your principal and interest payment plus your taxes plus your insurance. So if a landlord's like principal and interest payment, let's say it's $1,000. Why would they rent their property to you for anything less than $1,000? Would that make any sense? And so not to mention they have to factor in like maintenance. And if they own a multiple properties, they're probably just spreading the maintenance across, you know, a bunch of different properties, right? It may not even be your property that needs the maintenance. And also they factor in future maintenance. So like they're thinking, hey, and 10 years, it may cost me, you know, $15,000 to replace this roof. So I need to make sure I'm baking that into the mortgage as well. Oh yeah, and they're running a business, so they need to actually make some sort of profit as well. And so if the mortgage payment is $1,000, you, your rent may be like $15,000. It's just not cheaper. Yes, they're all one-off scenarios, but it, it doesn't really make 
cents um, that you, that is cheaper to rent the equivalent property. So I'm not talking about a single, I'm not talking about like your one bedroom apartment versus like a, a two, three bedroom house. Like th that's not the, that's not the comparison. It's the equivalent property and it's not cheaper to rent. It just doesn't make sense from any sort of logical standpoint. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to connect with other listeners and also dive deeper into topics, as well as attend live trainings every Tuesday at 8 p.m., click the link down below and join the First Time Homebuyer School. See you inside. All right, so I kind of lost track of the numbers, but let's call this 8A because I do want to dive a little bit deeper into the concept that somehow you don't pay for maintenance when you rent a property. You do. Once again, it's baked into the rent. So let's say that it's going to cost a $1,200 to maintain your property where your landlord is going to say 1200 divided by 12 months. Okay. I'm going to charge them. I'm going to, you know, bake in a hundred dollars a month into their rent. And so that's what it is. It's kind it's different when you are buying a home because that $1,200 is not a consistent $100. It may be 000, 300, 000, I think that adds up to 1200 and then a bunch of zeros until, until we get to the other 12 months of the year. But that's how it works when you own a home. And so you need to make sure that you're setting aside like $100 a month so that you have something in the kitty when it's time to actually pay for that whatever big maintenance item comes up. So that's when you hear folks talk about, oh, homeownership is so expensive, maintenance, 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 blah, blah, blah. It's because they're not setting aside money uh, in their budget for whatever maintenance thing comes up. And so number nine, that somehow you need perfect credit or, you know, this high 700s or 800 credit score in order to purchase a home. So a 740 is a perfect credit score as far as your mortgage lender is concerned. So whether you have a 740, a 760, a 800, or 850, it's all the same. And so nothing wrong with having, you know, great credit above that, but it's just a vanity thing when you're shooting for the 800 as far as your, your credit score. So let's talk about minimum credit requirements. So for USDA, VA, and NACA, technically there's no minimum credit requirement, but typically your lender is going to want to see you at around a 620. FHA minimum is 500 to 579 if you want to put down 10%. Uh, then it becomes 580 if you're putting down 3.5%. And then for a conventional loan, your minimum down payment or your minimum credit score is a 620. 20. So those are your minimum credit requirements. And once again, my advice is always, if you got the credit score to get approved, just move move forward with the process. Because once again, you can't predict where rates are going to go. And then I think the, the last, maybe the most important, let's say it's the most important because you stuck around to listen to this whole list. I appreciate you. Is that somehow qualifying and affording are the same thing. So your lender determines what you can qualify for. What you can afford is a whole different item. And so your, what you qualify for is based on your debt to income ratio, right? Which is your monthly finance debts plus the future mortgage payment divided by your income before taxes. And that can go up to 50%. But what you can afford is like what you can afford, which is why I see previous episodes, I talk about working backwards in order to find what your mortgage, what your home payment should be like. So basically take whatever you're renting and then work backwards, figure out what that would equal, what that would equate to as far as a home price. And so, because um, once again, if, you're, if your, debt to, your debt to income ratio is at 50%, because you, that's your income before taxes, your real life debt to income ratio is probably in like the 70, 80% um, possibly. And so that's when you hear about folks being like house poor and not, you know, house rich. Um, because like they're, they're 
all their money is going towards their mortgage payment. It's hard to save and, and just have an enjoyable life at that point. And so those are, hopefully those were 10 uh, mortgage myths that I covered. Maybe nine, maybe 11, but those are some mortgage myths that um, hopefully we're able to dispel during this video. So I appreciate you for watching this long. If you're on the tube, um, give us a like, subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Um, drop a review for the podcast. I know it doesn't really do you any uh, good to leave a review, but it really helps me out and I would appreciate it. And as always, by land, rumor has it, they're not making any more of it. See you next week.